Hey everybody, before we begin our regularly scheduled John and Jess discuss the mess, we wanted to take a second and acknowledge that tomorrow is inauguration day. Today I saw a tweet that said, this is the last day a woman will have never been the vice president. And it's also the first, the last day that a crazy person is the president. Um, we are excited and hopeful and cautiously very optimistic about the Biden and Harris four years in office. We hope and pray that tomorrow will be a safe and peaceful transition of power um, and show what this great American democracy really is. And we look forward to watching and talking about WWBD, what will Biden do? Happy inauguration day. She comes out to the man on the street. And welcome back to season three, episode three of John and Jess. Discuss the mess. Remember, this season we're talking about 2020, a year in review, and 2021, our hope for the future and the answer to the question, WWBD, what would Biden do? Today we're going to be talking about pandemic redux. And for you that don't have a dictionary available, redux means repeat or the same thing over again. So I think that uh, basically we've got one problem so far this year with the pandemic. It's same shit, different day. Uh-oh. Yeah. Even though the vaccine for the coronavirus is beginning to be available, its distribution is as poorly managed as previous responses to the virus. There's an overestimation of available doses, supposed to be 20 million. I don't think there are that many. Lack of preparation means the coronavirus is still winning in America. Even worse, doses are being cut in half to spread them around. Some are expiring before they can be used because states aren't ready and don't have any money. And some evil people are actually destroying the vaccine. There's no comprehensive plan for distribution and states are fumbling with their own planning. People are dying again and still because the Trump administration's doesn't have any care or concern for the American people. It feels like going into 2021 in a new year, there is light at the end of the pandemic tunnel, but a lot of barriers in between. Under Trump, the US has not only not contained the pandemic as other countries have been able to contain it, 19 million Americans have been infected and nearly 350,000 have died. Trump underestimated and ignored the virus from the very beginning. He allowed precautions to be individual choices and did not support increased testing. 
and under-reserved vaccines for Americans. I think though, also at the beginning of all of this, I just remember I have a good friend who lives in Italy and that was, I feel like my first window in early March into the fact that something was really, really wrong. And I remember him telling me the week that my school went on spring break and I began to realize our country was gonna shut down. I remember him telling me that he couldn't leave his house unless it was to go to the grocery store or the doctor. And the Italian police were on the street checking IDs and making sure you were going where you were supposed to be. And then uh, I remember writing an article in my blog about the Italian people responding to helping each other. They were carefully providing food and taking things to people that were shut in. Uh, a very good response. I don't hear about any of that anywhere anymore. Dr. Fauci said about the um, pandemic continuing, there will be a whole lot of pain in the first quarter of 2021. Some of his advisors I heard too say the darkest months are ahead of us in terms of January, February, and March. It's scary because January is already hitting highs on hospitalizations and deaths. We're still awaiting on the, the vaccination. And guess what? The pandemic, Trump had no plan to address it from the beginning, and he knew about it before the rest of us. And he has no vaccination strategy. His government has no plans to help, no plans to distribute, no plans to get money to the states. Uh, so to that point, like states weren't, the federal government wasn't prepared to help states get the vaccine distributed. $18 billion was spent developing the vaccines, $18 billion. And I mean, pretty incredible that they turned around a vaccine as quickly as they did. And yet uh, only $8 billion is available to states for distribution. And honestly, that chunk of $8 billion is really only becoming available because of this most recent stimulus. Right. Without the stimulus bill and attachments to all the bills like they do in Congress, that $8 billion is an afterthought really. And at least Congress figured it out and added some money. There was no money originally in that. Sometimes uh, Americans aren't really uh, ready for things, even when the things are ready. There are a lot of people in America that don't wanna get vaccinated, even if people are telling them it's medically and scientifically safe. Strangely enough, it's going down, the numbers are going down and hopefully people will respond when it's universally available. But right now still 27% of Americans say they will not get the vaccine. And guess what, of that 27%, 42% of the people that say, no, I'm not gonna get it are Republicans. They're believing what they're being fed by the Trump administration still. One of that 27%, some people are Americans who rightfully are afraid of the vaccine. And the Trump administration has done nothing to engender the tr engender trust in the vaccine in those historically wronged communities like Native Americans and Black people. I saw a tweet on Facebook last week that said, um, I need politicians to stop saying the Black community doesn't trust our vaccine and start saying we have a history of medically abusing Black people and therefore violating their trust. Right, I would say that I don't trust anything Trump has done, is doing now, or anything. I do trust scientists and I have no reason to fear the vaccine, but people, other people, people that are not white have always been harmed by the white society. And in medical terms, very specific kinds of things have happened. I mean, horrific things and also recent generations. I have kids who go to my school whose parents and grandparents were hurt by 
the St. Louis city quote unquote spraying for weeds and actually poisoning and causing harm to their bodies. It's not made up. I mean, I think that gets at like, you said something earlier to me today about conspiracy theories and like, you know, I think there's two sides of conspiracy theories in this. And one is people saying that black people have conspiracy theories about it. It's not fake. It's real shit that has happened. <laughs> it doesn't mean that the vaccine is dangerous. It just means people don't trust institutions that have harmed them in the past. What's wrong with that? I mean, that's very acceptable to me to understand that if you've been harmed by an institution in the past, why would you trust it now? And at this time under President Trump, how can you trust any government institution that he's using or abusing? Well, and so then to that point, the other side of conspiracy theories are the ones that the Trump administration is creating about COVID and the vaccine to echo what he knows his base wants to hear. There are plenty of crazy people who live in this country who truly believe that the vaccine is bad because the Trump administration is perpetuating a narrative and politicizing an issue that is actually a medical health crisis. Yeah, I I live in Southern Colorado and not long ago in the local newspaper, somebody wrote that basically they didn't even think the virus was real. And I wrote a letter to the editor saying, well, how did 350,000 people die? What did they die from if it wasn't from the coronavirus? So that continues to be out there amongst Trump's followers. Uh, One of the, I mean, there are so many big issues with the response to the pandemic, but one specifically, connected to the pandemic itself is healthcare in America. The pandemic and its handling or lack of handling has created a disaster in the healthcare system. That disaster, and we'll be reeling from that disaster in rural areas particularly, but across the country for for years to come really, um, there are going to be long-term symptoms of COVID and they're finding out that people that lived through COVID early are still having all kinds of medical issues and two sides of mental health. One, if you had someone that died and couldn't be with them, you're going to have grief that feels like trauma. And two, if you had COVID and survived, you're gonna have trauma from your ongoing health problems as well as how close you came to dying from the the disease. Which doesn't even touch the grief that my mental or medical experts are going to be feeling and the PTSD that they'll be suffering. I have a friend who works at St. Louis University Hospital. He's a doctor in the emergency room and he's been in the COVID unit since March. Um, and he's lost 89 patients wow. since March. And that's wow. one person. His mentor told him that um, 89 patients is more than most doctors could expect to lose in their career. And 10 he, people a month. Yeah. That's, and that's one one person. Yeah. Those and those are the patients. Like if you think of it that way, those are the patients just he is treating. So yeah. ten people a month that just he is treating, yeah, which doesn't one touch doctor, the other twenty doctors one doc- in the COVID yeah, really. That's scary. Twenty. Yeah. Jeez. Um, uh, I think also the other piece of grief that isn't talked about under the Trump administration. The definition, I just, my staff just participated in a professional development about grief in a time of COVID to help us get ready to think about how we're helping our kids in the upcoming years. And we learned in that, or I learned, I had never heard this before. Grief is actually the loss of routine. And so it could be, we often think of grief as death, right? People are grieving when someone dies. But in that sense, we're all grieving because we've all lost routines, which means that in some extent, no matter, I've been very fortunate. 
I've gotten to spend time with my family. I've been healthy. I have food and a job and I still lost my routine. And so if I don't take the time to acknowledge my own grief, I could suffer in the years to come. Right. Grief denied doesn't mean it goes away. You still have feelings and right. We're all grieving for each other, for our society, and sometimes for our own families. We, you know, you'd think, you would think that the divided America couldn't widen, but Trump made a great effort to widen the gap in America even further than it normally is, and even further than people know it normally is. He's torn America apart with social and economic issues that have divided Americans. As usual, most people agree on most things, but somebody that can focus on a few things and really make those issues, the, at, put them at the forefront is going to separate people. So there are more people that are hungry now, there are more people that are being evicted or homeless, uh, but people aren't relating to those folks. So our gap of emotional support and of understanding has grown as well as the real things of poverty and hunger all because of Donald Trump. People think that the pandemic was abnormal and it is, but what we have to understand is that what happened after the coronavirus happened came from what was normal. President Trump was president for three years by that time. So he was normally in charge of America. His administration was were people that were placed in positions to do the work Americans need. So the disease itself wasn't normal, but the whole response came from what was normal. Do we want to go back to that kind of normalcy in our country in the, the kinds of things we saw in the response to the pandemic? I'd say, hell no, gosh, how much worse could things have been? And that begs the question then, WWBD, what will Biden and his administration, that's a, that's a parenthetical, WWBD with the parentheses after Biden and his administration, what will they do? Um, so we want to talk a little bit. This after, is for 2021. Yeah, 2021 and the future. I mean, yeah. Biden and his administration have a chance to set precedent and change normal, right? And we talked about in our last episode the idea of coming back to the center. I think they have a lot of chances ahead of them. So we wanna, after that pretty depressing start to today, we wanna end with some things that we're hoping that Biden's administration does. Yeah, as Jessica forward. says, I wanna stamp that Biden is gonna push for the measures that health professionals have championed for months. I mean, these people are not political. These are experts in health and healthcare. Their whole job is dedicated to saving people's lives and helping people cope with disease and illness. He's, he's going to push everything that they've suggested as the response to the virus. I do a lot of stamping of things with my staff when I get to bottom lines and I my dad makes fun of me. I have so many, like, we call them Kip-isms at work, but just so many things that I feel like I say and stamp is one of them. So we also wanna stamp that Biden will ask all Americans to wear masks and he'll require it wherever he can. So federal properties, transportation, anything that the government, the federal government can control and hopefully set enough precedent that states follow suit, thus effectively depoliticizing the issue and making it about 
public health and public safety. Right. Have you heard anybody in the Trump administration call it a public health crisis? And that's really good, Jess, calling it a public health. I'm pretty smart. Crisis. You are. <laughs> Actually, Biden, I think, as a, as a new president, understands and was elected by people that support measures. Most people in America support measures aimed at curbing COVID-19, you know, getting carry out from restaurants, canceling sporting events and entertainment events, staying home, avoiding gatherings, large groups of people, doing what's common sense. We haven't had common sense for 10 months. So now Biden's gonna bring us back to that common sense. Our dog feels very strongly about that. Um, she's a little cranky old lady and she also feels strongly that it's important to return to common sense. You heard her echoing that in the background there. Um, Biden, I think, also realizes that some governors who haven't done these things might actually follow his lead and do them under his administration. If the federal government makes it the norm, states will follow. And then, honestly, peer pressure. Some states won't and they won't and they won't and then they will because they'll realize that people in their states are still getting sick and still dying and it's still affecting their economies because we live in America and everything comes back to money. Everybody's, yeah, everybody around them is doing it and they're the last state in the area that's not. Yeah, and but the key to that, Biden realizes, I know he does, that states need federal money to make this happen. They need federal money to make vaccinations happen. They need federal money for the infrastructure to make vaccinations accessible to everyone. And right now they're not getting what they need and it's going to be hard or almost impossible to get people vaccinated without that federal money. And I know Biden's going to work to get federal money to states for both vaccinations and the normal things that they need to keep going without people working at the same level and paying taxes. So he's gonna put some federal money into this for sure. Um, Biden's chief of staff, Ron Klain, coordinated the U.S. response to the Ebola breakout. And Biden's pick for CDC, Rochelle Walensky, I'm very sorry if I said that incorrectly, um, is a very, very highly respected infectious disease doctor, as well as a skilled communicator. Which isn't to say, I mean, Dr. Fauci did an incredible job given the craziness that he was up against. And he's also a big red alum, but Biden's <laughs> pick, um, Biden's picks show that he cares about ending the pandemic safely. Who, what's big red? You mean the Cardinals? No, Cornell. Oh, Cornell. Yeah, I think it's indic indicative that he's got two people that were involved or are involved with highly infectious diseases and they're prominent in his cabinet and, and advisors. Which shows, I think, that he realizes that America is going to be dealing with the scars of this pandemic for years to come. Biden doesn't, Biden knows it's not going to end in the next two months. Yeah, he needs, he knows healthcare workers have been overwhelmed and dying too, and they'll need time to recover. It's not like when the pandemic, when people are vaccinated, healthcare is going away, people are still needing it. Yeah, and healthcare workers will also need treatment for their PTSD. Yes. Um, and I mean, I was just talking to my aunt who's a doctor the other day and she said that she's a dentist and she said that um, she worries people are gonna be fleeing the medical profession. Well, I think we've seen teachers fleeing. So I, I do think that Biden will address that. Healthcare, back to healthcare though, healthcare in rural areas is dr diminishing dramatically. One fifth of rural hospitals may be closed. Yeah, when we get to that uh, rural stuff, We'll find out that uh, 
healthcare workers have left rural areas because of how they've been treated by other people there. 2,900 healthcare workers across the country have died from COVID. Imagine sacrificing, basically sacrificing your life for someone else. There's no greater love than to do that. And 2,900 healthcare workers have done that in the past 10 months. Um, the U.S. population is also aging and healthcare needs are increasing as our chronic illness, which means we need the opposite happening. We need to be drawing people to the medical profession, not scaring them away. One way to do that would be to make uh, uh, money available or to forgive loans for doctors and nurses and healthcare professionals as they are being trained. And I think Biden would consider some of that for the future. Yeah, I mean, I think the other thing is to go back to this idea of mental health that we talked about before, there's going to be waves of depression and anxiety and eating disorders and substance abuse and gambling and various addiction as a result of all of the trauma that people are experiencing. People don't understand trauma doesn't go away unless you're able to to have help to deal with it. And it takes time. It takes time. So hopefully Biden's administration sets the precedent for caring for those things appropriately. Right. As we mentioned in the Trump section of today's podcast, he didn't pay attention to any of this stuff, but Biden's going to have to look at people who have survived the virus and aren't ever going to fully recover. They're still going to require health care and they're not going to be able to work full-time jobs. So more health care, less economy, and he's going to have to still figure out how that's going to work. Well, yeah, to that point, the financial circumstances in the whole country, and then also of individual Americans, they need long-term solutions. There are Band-Aids right now, you know, a stimulus bill, and no one is going to turn their, few people will turn their nose at $600 or $2,000, but that's a Band-Aid. We were just talking yesterday about how if you need $600 to help you pay your rent, you need way more than the $600 because you probably owe six months of rent at this point. Yeah, um, there's a couple things that come to mind. Uh, Andrew Yang talked about the uh, $1,000 a month to adults in America. Now's the time to try that. I don't think Biden's really ready to make that kind of a jump, but boy, that would help a lot with what we just mentioned. we all think women are equal. You know, they're out there in the workforce. They're doing all this work. They're CEOs and presidents and they're working right besides men. But guess what? The pandemic again opens up our eyes to the real America. Women are still not equal. They're not treated equally. And they still hold most of the burden of the home, whether it's household work and cooking, parenting kids, and now remote learning, women have either stopped working or figured out a way to work and still take care of their children. Biden has to look at the cost and the creation of affordable childcare in America so women will finally be treated equally. This next one is going to be a quick bullet point, but it's something that I care a lot about and I know Biden does too. So we'll talk more about it in its own whole podcast. But the Biden administration is going to have to do something to address the widened inequalities in education that have come because of the pandemic. In a grad school class last semester, I learned that um, one year of pandemic learning for low income students of color is going to set them back up to three years academically in their education while their suburban wealthier white counterparts 
aren't going to make the same year of growth that they always would. Um, I have a lot of faith in that one. I think Biden has a great wife who knows a lot about education. That's a good thing because the last education person was about as bad as they could be too. We mentioned it earlier under Trump not taking care of and looking at the treatment of and health of black, brown and indigenous, indigenous Americans. They've been deprived of medical care in the past. They've been harmed by medical care in the past, medic, medical care in the past. We can't and he won't hopefully let us return to people who are accustomed to that group of people dying. Yeah, like, okay, it's a black person, whatever. I'm not a black person, I don't have to worry about that. They died, it's not gonna affect me, which is probably true, because I'm white. We can't return to that. Yeah. Um, we also need to make sure that, or Biden, I say we, Biden's administration needs to reinstate government preparation for this kind of major medical crisis. Um, it'll happen again, and honestly, it'll probably happen sooner rather than later. We made it a, uh, almost said a century. We made it a hundred years. That's no, a century. We made it a century from the Spanish flu in 1918. It won't be a century before this happens again. Um, preparedness is essential to a democratic society so that all citizens have the same right and access to protection and the pursuit of happiness. Yeah. I mean, gosh, wouldn't that be good if everybody in America had the same rights to protection under the law and the pursuit of happiness. Um, Biden's COVID-19 task force is already talking and they're trying to caution us that they have their work ahead of them. They know they do, they know they do and they're gonna work hard on it, but they say they wanna get it done in six months, but there's a year's worth of work that needs to happen. So they're shooting at six months, but they're trying to get it all done even though it would take normally a year to address the, the process from here on. And lastly, Biden, and Kamala in their um, entire campaign have talked about how we are in a battle for the soul of the nation. And I think that battle doesn't end. They must continue, the administration must continue to fight for the soul of our country. Um, there's a lot of healing that must happen. Yeah, we have to love our neighbors for a change and hopefully we'll have, we'll hear about some of those kinds of things happening in the coming year. So with that, that wraps up today's pandemic podcast. We talked about a lot of issues that we are gonna dive more into in upcoming episodes this season because almost each individual thing that we talked about could be its own whole episode by itself. So if you have any thoughts or things to add, email us at paycheckj at gmail.com. And until next time, stay healthy, stay safe. Be hopeful and peace out. Any friend.